Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is, is death really the next great adventure? Hey there listeners, I'm Jem. And I'm Ria, and we've got a super cheerful and fun episode topic this week. Death! (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about death. I honestly love talking about death. What is it? Why does it happen? (laughs) Great. I think like we have a lot of questions around this topic that I sort of made a list of, but I think we'll, I don't want to like Mm -hmm. read them out. I think we'll sort of get to them as we go. Yeah. I divided my thoughts into a couple of like topic areas. Sure. Which were immortality, the afterlife, and then like everything else about death. Death in magical society, death in the series, that sort of stuff. My big things that I wanted to look at is immortality and the afterlife. Okay. I think those are the big topics with death. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at first, I think we can define death and I found a definition on Harry Potter wiki. I think you probably found the same one. Yeah. Death is defined as, quote, the end of a body's life due to illness or injury and the departure of the soul that occupied it, end quote. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely... We know this. We've known this for a long time. Souls exist in the Harry Potter universe. And so death is defined as the cessation or the end of a body and the departure of a soul from that body, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got thoughts about what a soul is and the fact that a soul exists. Okay. Which we have talked about before, but yeah. I want to unpack that a bit in this episode. All right. Let's get into it. (sighs) Should we start with immortality or with death? (laughs) Maybe let's start with immortality and the soul i'm guessing that those two concepts are linked yeah so i want to talk about immortality okay obviously death is one of the major themes of harry potter duh yeah (laughs) the whole series revolves around death i wanted to talk about immortality as the quest of the main villain of harry potter and how that shapes harry's journey and like do we think the quest for immortality is worth it basically i feel like we're both gonna say no (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to talk about some of the sources of immortality in Harry Potter and just what we think of them. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because immortality is supposed to be one of the hard limits of magic. It's supposed to be something that's completely impossible to achieve, but there are potentially some ways to achieve it. I kind of disagree. I think that the only immortal creature is a phoenix, I guess. Yeah. I want to talk about a phoenix as well. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. On the HP wiki for immortality, the phoenix is listed as the only naturally immortal creature. Yeah. But I'm like, is a phoenix immortal? The phoenix lives its life. It dies. It's reborn from the ashes. But is it the same phoenix? We're not really sure. 
it might be a little bit different. Yeah, that's what I was because thinking. Because even if it is the same phoenix, well, it has, doesn't have all the memories. Maybe it doesn't have all the memories from its previous life. We don't know. Yeah. So what I was thinking about is in nature, in like the real natural world, there are creatures that reproduce asexually by basically creating a clone of themselves. There's some plants and yeah, sea creatures. Sea creatures yeah, it is possible to yeah. basically just yeah. replicate yourself and have that be your offspring. Yeah. So maybe what a phoenix does is like a magical equivalent of that. Like, okay. The phoenix that dies, dies. And the phoenix that is reborn is just its baby effectively. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's a scientific way of understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. But I was thinking about forks and forks bond with Dumbledore implies mm. that there's some kind of core memory that gets transferred down. Because or, Dumbledore won the loyalty of Fawkes long ago, and Fawkes has since died and been reborn several times. Or Dumbledore just keeps raising this bird. <laughs> I guess. You know, <laughs> the bird dies. It doesn't remember who Dumbledore is, but Dumbledore's the one that's feeding it and raising it and talking to it, and it's yeah. there every day with him. <laughs> like, I suppose so. I guess if you're a baby bird and you're just sort of born into the world <laughs> and then there's a nice man who takes care of you, maybe that's your friend. Yeah, it's just like Jurassic Park. John Hammond makes sure that he's the first thing that all the dinosaurs see. <laughs> yeah, Forks just imprints on him, like how birds do imprint on their mothers. <laughs> yeah, mama bird, baby bird. There's Dumbledore vomiting up little pieces of meat into Forks' beak. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, I won this bird's loyalty. <laughs> Maybe he just killed the original phoenix and it's like, this is my phoenix now. <laughs> nah, we, we discussed if he's evil already. I think probably he just like <laughs> found this phoenix or like, this, I don't know, this phoenix was loyal to him. He was loyal to it and then it died, but he just kept it as a pet and now it's his friend, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely like a magical element to the loyalty thing because... Harry is able to summon Forks by feeling particularly loyal towards Dumbledore. So there's right. definitely some sort of magical component to that bond. Yeah, that or maybe Dumbledore left the school, but sort of has let Forks know over time that Harry is someone that Forks has to look out for if Dumbledore's ever not around. Yeah. It now, could before be I go to prison, Forks, <laughs> <laughs> here's my instructions. Take care of this special boy. And when he gets up to his usual bullshit, bring him this hat. Yeah, I mean... Look, I wouldn't put it past Dumbledore. Yeah. But yeah, it, like, yeah, it was specifically stated that it was Harry's loyalty to Dumbledore, I guess, which is mm-hmm. vague and weird, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the bird just liked him. Maybe the sh- forks just took a shining to him. Well, we just said the bird imprints on whatever is there when he dies. Harry was and, there. Like, that literally happens. He yeah. bursts into flame and Harry's there for the birth of this baby bird. So maybe this version of Forks is like, oh, my two dads, Dumbledore and Harry. Well, he's just saying, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if phoenixes are really immortal. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I could say. (laughs) Like, I'm happy to accept that they're the only exception because they're just like this really special magical creature. But I'm also happy to accept that it's just a natural phenomenon where they like produce asexually. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Both answers are kind of cool in their own way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of the other sources of immortality in quotes. Sure. There's the elixir of life, the potion made from the philosopher's stone. Not immortality. Not immortal, because you have to keep using the stone to keep making the elixir and you have to drink it constantly. Yes. It also apparently extends your lifespan, but doesn't make you invulnerable to damage. Mm-hmm. So it only really protects you from dying of old age or disease. 
Yeah, but you still grow old. So like, yes, but you Nicholas still Flamel age. was the age and would have physically been the age and mentally been the age of someone who was 600 or whatever. Yeah, 666 just, when he died. Yeah, he just wasn't dying. So that yeah. sucks. Yeah, that's <laughs> really bad. I, we can't even comprehend what kind of, what his life would have been like physically because yeah. like we, we don't have anyone who's that old. I know. But like, I, I imagine there would have been a lot of stuff that sucked. I mean, I know he's a wizard, but like, man... That's a long time. Your bones would just start wasting away and stuff. Yeah, he's depicted in the Fantastic Beast films as, like, Jacob shakes his hand and all of the bones in his hand shatter. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So his quality of life has got to be grim. the pits, right? It's yeah. no good. Yeah. Like, not to get too grim, but I'm thinking of our grandparents who are getting up there these days. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not saying that they have no quality of life, but they're very frail. And yeah. they can't really do a lot these days. And I'm trying to be like, well, they're not even past 100. Let's no. times that by six or seven. And like, you wouldn't be able to move. You'd be blind, probably. Like, we it's just got to be so grim. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think it would be nice. But it must be bearable because they did it for 600 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we know wizards live longer. So mm-hmm. the average lifespan is about 135 years for a wizard. Yeah. Um, but people outlive that. Like some people, like Amando Dippet lived for 355 years. and What? Yep. <laughs> and Barry Winkle, who reportedly celebrated his 755th birthday in 1991. That can't be right. It's true. Yeah, but it's true. That's the fact. <laughs> but like he must have been using a Horcrux or an elixir of some kind. He can't maybe. just have naturally live that long. Maybe he just naturally lived that long. Oh, maybe that's, no. Actually, sorry. He, he might have, been, have. He wasn't using an elixir of life because we know that's exclusively Nicholas Mel and his wife. Yeah. Know. Okay. But there was, might have been some other magical things he was doing. Probably not a Horcrux though, because Dumbledore might have stopped that, or like someone might have I don't know stopped that. Well, I don't know. Like, if nobody knows that you made the Horcrux and you hid it well enough, like... Mm. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Someone stopped Barry Winkle. (laughs) (laughs) So, the guy who created Horcruxes, who, like, invented them and made the first ever one, was called Herpo the Fowl. Yeah. And nobody knows what happened to him or his Horcrux. So that implies to me that he's still kicking it, (laughs) right? He's just changed his name. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think think Herpo the Fowl did it. I think he's still living his life, has changed his name to something less of Fowl, I guess. I think he did it, but I just can't prove it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think fucking John from down the street might be Herpo the Fowl. We just don't know. (laughs) Like, Amando Dippet died at 355 but yeah barry winkle's still kicking around in 1991 we don't hear about him dying that's also insane yeah that's being like the average human lifespan is 80 but some people just live to 400 no (laughs) (laughs) that's not how it works he must have done something to magically extend his life maybe he's drinking unicorn blood yeah maybe like it mightn't be a horcrux it could be a unicorn blood it could be something like that but yeah Anyway, so the elixir of life sounds like hell. Mm, <laughs> sounds yeah. really bad. Immortality is only good, in quotes, if you get to stay young forever. <laughs> yeah, twilight immortality. Yeah. You know? It's the queer fantasy. You get to be young <laughs> and hot and never have to have kids. Like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Maybe you get a cool X-Men power. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so Horcruxes are evil. And making one is evil, and having one is evil, and it turns everything evil, as evidence from mm-hmm. our episode where we tried to make Horcruxes, and I think we ended up living with Johnny Facebook. What's his name? 
Um, oh yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg yeah. and like watching Shark Tales all the time or whatever we were doing. I think I had a pet Mr. Mime. I can't remember that episode. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. It damages you and fucks up your life. Sure. But it also damages your soul, which fucks up your afterlife, mm-hmm. which we'll get into more later. Yes. But you can fix your soul by repenting, which is just such... <laughs> <laughs> Not to get too, like, bashing on anyone's religion, but it's so... <laughs> the vibes of, like, I, I committed a sin and then I will confess that sin and I'll say a prayer and then I'll be magically healed of the bad thing that I did. Yeah. Don't love that. But I guess, like, I also don't like the idea that you can do something bad and then be, like, irreparably damaged by it and never... Mm-hmm. make up for it and never be a better person and never fix the harm that you did. Yeah. So, I don't know. You can't have it both ways, Rhea. Pick one. <laughs> I like to think, I mean, it's... The way that it's described is, like, the person must repent and feel all the harm they've done, and I guess... Yeah. That's the only sort of basic description we get. We don't actually see it in action. I like to think it would be more complicated than that. They can't just simply feel bad and feel sorry for what they've done and apologise. They really have yeah. to put in the work. And yeah, like, I don't like the idea—the idea that yeah. it's like a deathbed confession, where you're like, "Whoops, actually, no, I do accept my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ," and then I go straight to heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't like that vibe. But I—the idea that like, oh no, I actually genuinely caused harm and I destroyed people's lives and I was a bad person, and now I have to do the hard work of fixing that. Yeah. And through that process, you're able to heal yourself. Yeah, I've got no problem with that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good actually. Yeah. yeah. Also. So we've joked that Voldemort becomes a snake man. Yeah. But also he's the only person who ever made more than one Horcrux and he was distinctly becoming less and less human every time he did it. Yes. What if he kept going? Would he be full snake? <laughs> Would he end up as a literal snake or some kind of just inhuman monster? What do we think? I think some sort of inhuman monster. I think the only reason that we make fun of him being a snake man is because he's described as having snake-like features, you know, like yeah. the the flattening of the nose so that it disappears and like mm-hmm. his eyes go red. That's not a snake thing. <laughs> like he loses his hair. I guess sure snakes don't have hair, but sort of plenty of other animals and creatures. <laughs> I'm seeing it more like a like a Smeagol to Gollum transformation, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, becoming like less alive. Ironically. Yeah. I don't think he would have literally turned into a big snake. No. Although, Very funny. fuck yeah, fan artist, <laughs> if you want to go there. Love that. But I think if he created, you know, seven Horcruxes took him this far. What if he'd made 30, 50, 100, if he just kept going? Yeah. Like, I, he would have been fucked up. He, yeah, he definitely would have. <laughs> he, he wouldn't probably have resembled anything human anymore. Yeah. And it's definitely because it's not just externally, but internally. So... The way that he would be thinking, yes. his behaviours and mannerisms probably wouldn't even resemble anything human anymore as well. Yeah, he he becomes so remorseless and irrational, I would say. Yeah. I would say his desire to kill Harry with his own hands is irrational. Yeah. And like, yeah, where would he end up? <laughs> Something that's just completely alien, I would guess. Yeah. Mm. A bad thing to be ruling the wizarding world if he should be successful. <laughs> it's a good thing that he was stopped. Yeah. Someone should go for Barry Winkle next. <laughs> it's also good that he himself decided to stop at seven. He's like, that's a good number, I guess. Yes. It's lucky that he wasn't like, yeah, I should probably go for a hundred so I have a bunch of spares. Just to cover my bases, you yeah. know? Yeah. I guess maybe he, um, maybe it was his own arrogance too. Like, he, he, 
was in, he he liked who he was as a human. He liked the way that his brain thought, mm. and so maybe he didn't want to completely lose that part of himself and that drive to become immortal. So he's like, I I better stop at seven because that'll give me all the power I need, but it won't make me completely lost. Like I'll still be me, Voldemort. <laughs> I'm not sure that he was aware of oh, losing himself. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, we don't see the series from his perspective very much. But, like, maybe at first he was like, oh, hey, I'm getting real slitted pupils and, like, (laughs) hairless and stuff. But also, maybe he just didn't notice or it felt natural and good to him. Mm. Like, I don't think there was ever a point where he's like, whoa, I fucked up. I made too many horcruxes. No. I should not have done this. This is bad. No. I I tend to think that he probably wouldn't even notice the more minor differences until they became dramatic. And that was probably around Horcrux four or five. Like, and by then he's like, well, I'm making seven. Like I have a plan. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. I think he's probably always like, I am my true and authentic self right now. Like the Horcruxes didn't change me. (laughs) This is who I am. This is who I was always meant to be. I think if he looked back on his, you know, 15 year old self and noticed big differences in his appearance or personality, he would be like, that's because I've grown more powerful over time. Exactly, the old me yeah. is weak. Not like the old me is the true me and I've become corrupted over time. That would never occur to him. No. Okay. Unicorn blood is the next one. Okay, unicorn blood. I have thoughts about unicorn blood. Hmm. Mostly in terms of its application for modern medicine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So unicorn blood will keep you alive no matter what. Yes. But it's a cursed existence. <laughs> Okay. That's so interesting to me in terms of a magical society, because curses are real. <laughs> yeah. and But, like, can we not cure this curse? What's up? I guess not. Like, if, if they're so dead-ass serious about it, it must be yeah. something incurable. And I think it's also... It's not just drinking unicorn blood. It's the act of slaying the unicorn, something so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. So that makes you a cursed person. You yeah. did something terrible to save yourself from what is natural, death. So... Yeah, you, the curse <laughs> the curse comes from the evil act of killing the unicorn. Yeah. But you don't have to kill a creature to get its blood out. Yeah, but I think it's Yeah, that's true. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. But I don't think well what Okay. Unicorns are fast, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're a horse, so yeah, they're as fast as a horse is, I guess. They're meant to be like wicked fast though, like, fast, like super fast. I mean, I guess I, I imagine they'd put up a fight. We don't know much about unicorns, but I don't think you could just sort of yeah. plunge a syringe into it without getting mauled. I mean, <laughs> bored or whatever mauled. it is. When someone attacks you with a horn. Gored. Gored. That's the one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mauled is usually with that's claws. It. And, and teeth. Trampled might be good as well. Gored or trampled. Yeah. Look. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that no one's thought to syringe a unicorn mm. because it's wizards. Yeah. Also, I think it doesn't matter if, like, say you're dying and someone else kills a unicorn and then someone else buys that unicorn blood off them and then gives you the unicorn blood to cure you. I still think that doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you're participating in something unethical. There is no ethical consumption under unicorn blood. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. I think the whole, like, chain of being is cursed. Yeah. Chain of being is the wrong one. Chain of operation? Can't remember. It's all, it's all dirty money, you know? Yeah. And whoever touches it. Can you help me with my brain? Because I think my brain's wrong. (laughs) So in in the first (laughs) Harry Potter movie, there's a scene where they're tracking the unicorn, the injured unicorn. And Hagrid, like, finds some unicorn blood on the leaves and he rubs it between his fingers and it's all silvery. (laughs) 
Yes. Now, am I crazy or does he stick his fingers in his mouth and then spit the blood out? He wipes it on his coat. I saw, okay, I cool. It yeah, because I have this yeah. memory of him being like, oh, blood. <laughs> and then spitting it out. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, cool. That's my brain up, He's wrong. like, oh, look, it's unicorn blood. Rubs it between his fingers. It looks like mercury. And then he wipes it on his coat. Good. Um, okay. So if he, he had, <laughs> if he had stuck his fingers in his mouth and sucked up that good blood, he'd be cursed, yeah. right? Oh, 100%. 100%. Definitely. Okay. Because yeah. it's evil to lick some blood you found on the ground. Well, unicorn blood specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Other blood is fine to lick off the ground. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this curse on the unicorn blood must be pretty bad. I'd say so must be worse than death or at least equivalent to death i'd say worse than death because we know that there are plenty of things that are worse than death and i think yeah. living a half-life or cursed life as friends mm-hmm. would say is probably something that's worse than death mm. and that's the dramatic irony of it is that people who are afraid of death and are resorting to this to save themselves from death live a life that's worse than death yeah they're choosing a worse yeah. fate because I was thinking about unicorn blood being used kind of like life support, basically. Mm. So when you're dying or so close to death that, like, basically you can't be saved through other means, extending your life through the use of unicorn blood basically as a last resort or main, or mostly as, like, a chance for you to get your affairs in order to, like, say your goodbyes and stuff. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would simply get my affairs in order before dying. <laughs> well, what I'm thinking is like, what if you're in some kind of horrible accident? Then that's, basically. that's bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's still evil and bad to be like, oh, I just need like 12 hours to contact my lawyer and like say goodbye to my family. It's just, you know, you can't always get what you want. Like yeah. it's bad luck. Sometimes people it just sucks. die. But I'd rather not live a cur- Like if I'm living in this Harry Potter universe, I'd rather not live a cursed life and possibly maybe do my own immortality and eternal life or whatever you want to call it afterlife mm. by doing something like that i'd rather just be like well that's bad luck yeah <laughs> guess i'll die <laughs> <laughs> and i think what friends was implying is that most wizards and harry is included would think the same like who would choose such a life it's better to just you know accept your fate and die mm. and i think that's what they're getting at yeah it sucks that the blood is cursed <laughs> it's just cursed yeah it just sucks because, like, also you can do the trolley problem, but for unicorn blood. <laughs> is it really evil to kill a unicorn if you can use its blood to save, I don't know, ten humans? But it's not saving them, it's dooming them. Yeah, but it should be saving them. <laughs> but it, that, you see the point. <laughs> no, I get the point, but I'm like, well, the, the blood dooms them because it's evil to kill a unicorn. But is it evil to kill a unicorn to save ten yes. lives? It shouldn't be. Oh, okay. To save ten, I, I see what you're getting yeah. at, you know. Like, sometimes it's good like, to kill someone. <laughs> don't be fooled by the arithmetic, it's murder either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I guess with within the laws of this universe, with the unicorn being such a pure and good animal, mm. maybe it is evil to kill it to <laughs> save ten people. Like, <laughs> is it bad to kill a unicorn to save a million people? <laughs> maybe that we know that in the harry potter universe there's like a fucking magical chain of being yeah and maybe, maybe it's fine to kill a pig but not a unicorn maybe unicorns outrank humans on the magical chain of being maybe that's why I bet. absolute dead ass they do cool <laughs> maybe unicorn blood is cursed because unicorns are cunts for not giving us their blood 
<laughs> yeah, you have to be pure of heart. Yeah. To take unicorns. <laughs> cool. Yeah. A big fan of a unicorn just being a really good friends. Maybe this is what happened to Billy Willsley or whatever you said his name was. Bit Barry Winkle. Yeah, maybe he's really good friends with a unicorn who donates its blood and it's not cursed because the unicorn's like, I want you to live forever. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's who it is. <laughs> okay Uh, almost at the end of sources of immortality deathly hallows yeah i disagree yeah well like the point of the the point of the books in fact maybe the literal moral of the story is that being the master of death is just accepting your own death but a lot of people think that mastering all three hallows makes you literally immortal yeah, I disagree. I think that the idea of being a master of death comes from male arrogance bullshit. The entire idea comes from the fanboys of the Tale of the Three Brothers, that if you acquire all these magical objects and become the master of them, then you have beaten death and become immortal. They've missed the entire point of the source material, which is that no matter how gifted or clever or powerful you are, or even how humble you are, you cannot trick or beat death. Mm. It is the inescapable and natural end for all of us, and trying to outsmart it is fruitless and may lead to you meeting it sooner. The message that wizards were supposed to take from the Tower of Three Brothers is to be accepting of death, but instead they went the opposite direction of it, because they're idiots. Yeah. No one can be the master of death. I think if you gather all of these items and master them, okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What does that mean? <laughs> Conquer them. Like, <laughs> conquer them. Oh, sounds colonizing to me. I don't like yeah. it. If you get all these objects and you become the owner of them, I guess. So what? Yeah, exactly. You're still going to meet death in the end. And now maybe you're even pushing your luck. You're on a thin ice because you're tempting death. Yeah. Like, well, what I was thinking is like, how? How do they make you immortal? They just they don't. don't. It's a fucking fallacy. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you've got the wand that makes you oh so powerful and the whole thing fucking point of the wand is that everyone who gets it dies yeah because people come after you the stone literally tempts you towards dying it yeah. it's a stone that makes you kill yourself <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah so eager to own this stone <laughs> <laughs> yep. and then the cloak protects you from death sure so you have to live your entire life invisible yeah perfect <laughs> yeah the point of the cloak is to delay death yeah like it's not and it's like, a, like like unicorn blood <laughs> No. <laughs> so the point of the cloak, the humblest brother, brother chose it because he knew that he couldn't outsmart death, but he knew that he could maybe just delay death and try and live a happy and successful life. And that's what he did. He wore the cloak for all his days. Uh-huh. Like, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But he still managed to have a family and a son, I guess. And then yeah. he was ready, <laughs> I love like, my invisible husband. I don't know. It's, look, <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um... I love when we conceived our child and he was under a cloak. <laughs> the cloak Perfect. stays on during sex. <laughs> I have to wear it for all my days, honey. <laughs> yeah, look, we don't know. <laughs> he was able to live, I guess, a fruitful life because he lived the longest out of all the brothers. He had a family that we know of. And we know that in the Harry Potter universe, that is the ideal life. So mm. he managed to delay death. And then he gave this cloak to his son willingly and joined death as an old friend so that's the point the point is that you're just meant to Mm. be calm about the fact that one day you're gonna cock it you're gonna die and you should just accept that and try and live your life as peacefully as you can and protect the other other people around you like that's the point like yeah 
The whole point is don't go chasing immortality and don't spend your life mourning the people who have yeah. died. Live yeah. your life. Be happy. Mo- move on. Get married. Have yeah. a son. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally the moral <laughs> of the story. So glad we managed to explore yeah. that. My final piece, my final technique for immortality, which isn't mentioned on the page, but I mentioned it. The immortal soul. Mm. Immortality in the sense that your soul passes on after death. The afterlife of some kind. Does it yes. literally exist and is it real in Harry Potter? This is the next section that I want to talk about. Cool. Well, yes. Yeah. The afterlife is real. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what it is. And we have no idea what it looks like. And we have no idea what happens to you or your soul when you go there. Yeah. And that's why people in the Harry Potter universe are still afraid of dying and death because mm-hmm. it's the fear of the unknown. Mm. because they don't know like they know that they'll die one day they know that there's some kind of afterlife but they don't know what will happen to them and their personality and their life and memories they don't know if they're going to exist in some sort of for lack of a better term heaven where they can sort of relive their life and meet other people who've died they don't know that Mm. live in like a spiritual (laughs) world no they just have no idea what's going to happen yeah much like in the real life yeah i mean we don't know there's an afterlife though (laughs) yeah well hmm. so i want to talk about is there an afterlife? Yes. So the presence of ghosts implies an immortal soul. So do Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. The soul is like a literal thing that does exist. But we think of the soul as being immortal. Is it immortal? Maybe it's mortal mm. in the Harry Potter universe. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Like maybe your soul either dies after death, much like how your body dies after death. Maybe your soul dies after death as well. Yeah, I mean, mm. I tend to think of the, the afterlife in the Harry Potter universe as being like this. You die, you either become a ghost by choice or by the circumstances of your death. So you, by hook or by crook. <laughs> yeah, so your your soul or your imprint of your soul returns to Earth mm-hmm. and you're stuck in this mortal plane. Yeah. It sucks. So yeah, that's terrible. option A. <laughs> or you die, you go to limbo. And say you've had a shit life, you've been a shit person like Voldemort, your soul is corrupted and disfigured because you did terrible things in your life Mm -hmm. and you can't even speak or move or think or function. And so you're stuck in limbo. Yeah, you can't move on. You're trapped there. You're trapped there forever. And that's your punishment. Mm -hmm. Option B. So that's option B. Option C. You die. You go to limbo. Limbo is like the liminal space in between life and death, by the way. Yeah, we'll talk about Um, limbo. You go to limbo. You've lived a good life, you've never killed anyone. You can choose to go on. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do. You just go Board on. We don't know we don't know where it goes. And mm. I like to think that it's just nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know that there's lots of fan art and lots of fanfics out there of like you board the train or whatever and you go on after into the afterlife and you maybe see a lot of people that died that mm. you loved and maybe you get to sort of live peacefully and happily. I like to think that the souls just kind of get on the train and that's it yeah you just choose to die (laughs) they just they're just gone now and that's Mm. good (laughs) yeah not to get too deeply personal i know a lot of people find the idea of heaven and like reuniting with all your loved ones or like even like some kind of nirvana i think it is like where all your consciousness is just sort of joined together and are like a happy ball okay sure a lot of people find that idea really comforting i think both of us find the idea of oblivion after death very comforting (laughs) me too (laughs) the idea that we get to stop yeah yeah Let's not get too grim, but... (laughs) (laughs) 
So, why I started thinking about souls in the afterlife, aside from the fact that it was the topic of the episode, was I started being like, well, what is the muggle afterlife like? And is it different from the wizard afterlife? Because we know that wizards can be ghosts and muggles can't. Mm -hmm. That implies to me a difference in the souls, even though I think... I think the canonical explanation is like a ghost is a wizard soul sort of wrapped in the protective shell of their magic, which creates like a like a facsimile of their person. Yeah. Um, an image. Okay. But muggles don't have magic. So they, they don't have magic. Have yeah. So they can't make themselves a fake body to put their soul in effectively. I think it's still the same for muggles though in this universe. So they die. Option A. Mm. They become a ghost, but they just don't have a form. They're not visible. They can't interact. Yeah. So they go back to the mortal plane and they're stuck there, but no one knows that they're there. B, they have done shitty things in their life, <laughs> corrupted their soul. And they get stuck in limbo. Stuck in limbo. Option C, they move on. Mm. So what it said on the wiki was, it is unknown if the wizarding afterlife differs from their muggle counterparts or if muggles go to the afterlife at all. Grim fucking sentence from the wiki. Great. <laughs> It is unknown if muggles are subject to the same laws governing the soul as wizard kind. That sentence was really interesting to me because it super implies that muggles and wizards have different souls. So what if the soul as it exists in the Harry Potter universe is different from our conception of the soul as it exists in our universe? Sure. I would say our universe, the soul is like a, like the religious concept of a soul, it's the part of you that is immortal. Immortal, that is immutable. Yeah. Immutable, that is you. The part of you that exists mm. separate from your body and your mind and your consciousness. What if in Harry Potter, the soul is literally the part of you that is magic? What if your soul is magic? It's kind of like the body part that makes this. Instead of being like a kidney or a liver or whatever, your body part, your soul is your body part that is the magic inside of you. Maybe. I mean, we have argued that magic is emotions and yeah. people say that laughter is the language of the soul. So, and like you and your emotions would come from that. The yeah. soul, I guess. Maybe. It would explain a lot about Voldemort and Horcruxes too, because mm -hmm. if his magic is the soul and he keeps splitting his soul and corrupting his soul, that's why he can't access other parts of magic. He can only mm -hmm. access dark magic. And other kinds of magic are so painful that they physically expel him and hurt him if they yeah. he interacts with them yeah because he's if you think of i'm trying to think of an organ that generates something does your heart generate blood or does it just pump it around where does blood come from it pumps it around I, I don't know where blood comes from the no it's a system the what's the system called circulatory the, system um, circulatory system yeah but what makes blood it's really something makes blood <laughs> in your body because hmm. i can because <laughs> i can bleed and then i need to make more blood Something makes white blood cells. Liver? Yeah. What's a part of your body that makes something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's... <laughs> Brain makes makes thoughts go. Brain makes thoughts. Okay, great. Perfect. So, you, so your brain makes thoughts. What if your soul is like that? It's like a magical organ that makes magic. Or that... Because if your magic is emotion, it basically like takes your emotion and transfers it into magic. Like how your kidneys takes bad things out of your water that you drink. <laughs> no, <laughs> way. What does kidneys do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kidneys take, like, bad things out of the water. <laughs> Sorry. I just started the exact same sentence again, but I stand by it. Kidneys take bad things out of the water that you drink and turn it into urine. <laughs> 
<laughs> a soul does sure. that. It takes the good stuff out of your emotions and turns it into magic. Perfect. <laughs> I can't wait for our parents who are nurses to listen to this episode. They don't listen to our podcast. They do occasionally. <laughs> Mostly to hear you. They hate listening to me. <laughs> Great. Oh, well, where were we? Yeah, I guess I guess the magic could be the source. Sorry, the soul could be the source of magic. Yeah. Well, that's great, because then muggles straight up don't have souls. <laughs> I just, I don't believe that. And, like, also, if souls are the source of magic, and souls can move on, how come magic leaves traces? Wait, yeah, I'm not sure that souls can move on. Okay. That's what I'm saying, because if a soul is kind of, if a soul is a body part, then it's mortal. It, like, disappears after you die. Yeah. So it moves on. No, like it just dies. Same as with the rest of your body. Yeah. So then how does magic leave traces? Oh, yeah. Right. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure I agree. Well, yeah, maybe it's the kidneys metaphor again. Maybe it just processes magic. <laughs> I just think a soul is someone that, something that everyone has. Muggles and wizards yeah. um, alike. But they just... We don't see muggle ghosts because... They don't have magic, and because I guess so, muggle ghosts would be a thing, but we just can't see them, touch them, hear them, can't interact with them at all. Yeah, that which sucks extra for them. Those guys really are stuck in hell, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I want to examine what evidence we have that an afterlife exists in the series, and like try to determine is there an afterlife, or is that just one possible interpretation of the evidence that we have? Okay. One piece of evidence is the existence of a soul. Whether the soul is immortal or mortal to me determines whether there is an afterlife. So that's why I'm sure. presenting a possible argument for a mortal soul. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Other pieces of evidence that we have for there being an afterlife is interactions with the dead. Mm-hmm. So let's look at times that we interact with the dead. Yeah. I can see three occasions where this happens, aside from ghosts, which is their own separate category. Sure. One is in fourth book during the duel with Harry and Voldemort, where we get the... Yeah, the echoes yeah. from Voldemort's wand. Can I talk about this? Yeah, let's go through them one by yeah. one. These aren't spirits to me. Okay. So priori incantatum, what that magical phenomena does is it mm-hmm. basically reverses the most previous spells. It's like an echo of a spell. Yeah. So I think what that was doing is not so much waking the dead, which is what Dumbledore grew with. It's, it's like he didn't bring back the dead that night. Yeah. He was seeing an echo of what the last spells were and I think it was an echo of the emotions that the victims were feeling at the time of their Mm -hmm. death because what do the spirits for lack of a better term do what do the shades do Cedric was thinking was saying to Harry bring my body back to my father and so we can Mm -hmm. assume that might have been his last thoughts as he was dying is that he was disappointing his father or that his father would miss him or something like that yeah which is grim. Same with um, Lily and James. Their entire instructions are to are about protecting Harry and saving Harry. Mm-hmm. And those are their last thoughts. We, both, we know for both of them. Yeah. James raced downstairs to save Harry. His last words were, take Harry and run, basically. Mm-hmm. Same with Lily. She was trying to protect Harry on her very deathbed. And then we have Frank the Muggle. <laughs> um, and his last thoughts would have been, basically, fuck this dude, beat him up. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Which he killed great. me. Fuck that. That sucks. <laughs> he, he killed me. Get him back. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I don't see this as evidence of... Um, like their souls coming back or a ghost or a spirit. This is just sort of an echo of their last emotions at the moment of their death playing out. I agree. Yeah. What I would find really compelling is if one of them was like, 
go to the hidden box underneath my bed and open it using this passcode that you couldn't possibly know. Like, information that Harry didn't know, couldn't know, nobody could have told him aside from the ghost of his father or whatever. Yeah. We don't get that. All we get is, like, you've got to grab the port key, which is surely, like, child Harry's only real thought of how to get out of this situation. Mm. (laughs) Like, it's all that he can think to do. Yeah. Yeah, they're, and they're not instructing him to grab the porky. They're just saying, like, we're can we we're trying to protect you. Lily and James are trying to protect him. They're like, okay. we can give you a few moments, but then you have to get out of here because they, they don't know all the information of mm-hmm. what's happening on around him. But they're like, <laughs> their only thoughts are protect Harry, protect my son, because that's what, the, that's what they died wanting to do. Yeah. So they, they tell him that he can let go yeah. of the spells so that they can attack Voldemort and then he can get out of there. But, yeah. Also, like, the fact that we know what Prorai Incantantum is, like, we see it get used earlier in the series where Barty mm. Crouch or Cumulius Fudge or whoever it is grabs Harry's wand and is like Prorai Incantantum. Yeah. And you see, yeah, you see a ghost yeah. of the spell that he just yeah. cast. Like, it's it's literally just a super powerful, insane version of that that's happening to Harry and Voldemort because of their insane, mm-hmm. super powerful connection. It seems crazy to me that you would be like, and they literally no. resurrected the dead. So I don't think no, that's yeah. evidence of an afterlife. Interaction with the dead number two. Shadows from the resurrection stone. <laughs> yeah, we both think the same thing here, that these are tricks from death to lure you to death. They're not real ghosts. Yeah. They're not, they're not the real people, let's say. Yeah. Maybe not tricks from death, but yeah, I think it's like... I think the stone is a trap, basically. If you try to communicate with the dead, basically the stone is being like, you know how you can really communicate with the dead? Kill Kill yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trick. Mm -hmm. Whether it was a trick that was invented intentionally to mess with people or an accident by someone who just desperately wanted to talk to their deceased lover, I don't know. Mm. But I definitely think that they're not real because I think my big evidence for this is Harry's walk through the forest when he was, like, talking to his his parents, Lupin and Sirius, and they were all like, yeah, you should kill yourself. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, there's no way. It just doesn't... It's not in character. Not in character for them. And also, the way that they present themselves as, like, they're in their physical prime, I guess, for lack of a better term. They look young yeah. and beautiful. And it's it's like a, it's like a, an alluring trap. And we know that yes. ghosts don't appear like that. Ghosts appear covered in blood and with their heads half off and stuff like that. Yeah, at the Sirius moment of death. didn't look like gaunt and starved and crazy no. from his year in um, the house. No. Lupin wasn't covered in blood or however he died. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely a trick. And I will, this my think personally that death, the personification of death is real in the Harry Potter universe. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But we'll talk about that later. Because I disagree. And final communication with the dead. Harry's vision of Dumbledore (laughs) when he's in limbo and he's at King's Cross Station. Yeah, no. (laughs) That's not Dumbledore. (laughs) So, yeah, so for this, I pulled my copy of Deathly Hallows and I reread that chapter, specifically looking at everything that Dumbledore says and looking for any new information. Anything that, like, Dumbledore says to Harry that he could not possibly have figured out on his own. Ladies and gentlemen, there is not a single sentence that he couldn't possibly have figured out on his own. Yeah, no. That was just Harry talking to himself, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, I really read through it, and a lot of it is, like, stuff that maybe wouldn't be immediately intuitive. It's, like, 
it's interpretations of what Dumbledore did, basically. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore being like, I felt so guilty. I was very selfish. I did this thing and I was always afraid of this and blah, blah, blah. But like, none of it is objective facts that you could check with somebody else. So it could yeah. all just be Harry being like, here's the new information that I've learned about Dumbledore. Dumbledore never talked to me about any of this. Here's what I wish he would have told me about this. Here's how I wish mm. he would have fleshed it out for me. It could all just be his dream. Yeah. And also, constantly, Dumbledore is introducing every sentence with, you've already guessed this. You know this. I'm sure you can assume that. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. He's constantly phrasing everything he says to Harry as already being a part of Harry's knowledge. Yeah. I really think that it was just <laughs> Harry's dream version of Dumbledore. <laughs> I yeah. don't think he spoke to Dumbledore. It was Harry, like piecing together the puzzle, nutting it all out. But yeah. in order to do that, he needed someone to bounce off. And the person of wisdom and intelligence in his brain was Dumbledore. And yeah. so he just sort of projected that image in his own head and was talking to that to sort of work out what he needed to do next would have happened. Yeah. Like, that's great. I always love devices like that, where it's like an internal deep dive into someone's mind or psychology or someone. And mm-hmm. they're talking to like, I don't know, some figure of wisdom yeah. <laughs> in their life. I always love those tropes. Especially when like the person acts closely enough to what they are. Like, this is close enough to Dumbledore that reading it as literally Dumbledore is so valid and so true. Oh, yeah. But I think there's enough differences with the real Dumbledore that you can see that it's not him. Mm. Or it's valid to interpret that it's not him. And I prefer that it's not. And also, if you believe that in the Harry Potter universe there is an afterlife and you believe that they did go to Limbo, I think it makes sense that it's not Dumbledore because yeah. you don't stay in limbo if you're dead. Mm. <laughs> you don't stick around unless you did something sh- fucked up, which we in the kind of the universe, I don't think Dumbledore would be stuck in limbo like Voldemort was. I think he would just move mm. on because uh, that's yeah. his whole stick is accepting death. Death is about the next great adventure, etc. Yeah, I don't think that Dumbledore would wait around in limbo. And I don't no. think you get to come back to limbo if you've chosen to go on. Nope. You either get trapped there, you choose to remain there, you choose to go back, or you choose to go on. Mm-hmm. You don't... There's no fucking around. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so with what I've said there, all of the evidence of an afterlife that we have is stuff that could be explained away, except mm-hmm. possibly the veil. Let's talk about the veil. Yeah. Because I only remembered so. this about 15 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what the, the veil, yeah. the veil. We've long theorized that the Department of Mysteries has different rooms for every sort of element of of magic. magic. Yeah, Yeah, branch or element of magic. And we talked about this a lot in our Magic as Emotions series sort Mm -hmm. of thing. What is magic? What is love magic? magic? All of those episodes are interconnected. I would love to do a whole episode on just the veil, but I guess we're we're bundling it into death because we're running out of time. (laughs) Apparently, the veil is a portal between life and death. And it was possibly yeah. In, it was possible in the rarest of cases for wizards to visit the borderlands between death and life into limbo and then return to the land of the living. I mean, I think they're talking about Harry there. He's the only person that we know that's yeah. done that. Yeah, nobody else has done that. Don't be like, in theory, it's possible. Yeah, I heard it when they write things like this, and you're like, what the fuck? And then you realize, oh no, they're talking about Harry. Like, <laughs> yeah, use and the it's name. Also like, very much that could be a dream. You could be like, yeah. based on the experience of Harry, it could be possible. But don't be like. It's possible for wizards to do this because maybe Harry did. Yeah, I also (laughs) really subscribe to the idea that it was a dream because, okay, let's talk this out. So we know that death is when a soul departs the body. That's what we learned from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But if the soul had departed Harry's body, it can't just go back in 
right? Because that's how ghosts exist. Right. If the soul goes to limbo and it tries to come back, that's a ghost. So quite possibly Harry never died. <laughs> because we've discussed before that, like, yeah, the soul is a soup, for lack of a better term. Like, you can't just, mm-hmm. like, take the Voldemort out of Harry's soul without fracturing it. And that's why Harry had to be, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, killed by Voldemort, to take the Voldemort part of himself out. So you could see it in two ways. Harry, when the curse hit him, the part of his soul that was Voldemort from the Horcrux severed from his body, and that part of Harry's soul was having that discussion with Dumbledore in limbo, and they decided to return to Harry's mm-hmm. body or whatever. Or the rest, or Harry's body decided to wake up with the rest of his soul still there. Yeah, never really left. Never Decided left. not to depart his body, I guess. Or, number two, that part of Harry's soul was killed and Harry never really died because, like, like he was hit with the curse, blown backwards, fell to the ground, but was never dead. He was still mm. alive because his soul wouldn't well, be allowed to leave his body and come Because of back. the blood protection. So, yeah, I've got a yeah. whole section on what actually happened to Harry when he died. Like, how do we interpret this? So Uh, the explanation in the book, and once again, this is another thing that like Dream Dumbledore tells him in King's Cross Station that Harry actually pieced together from like the clues that he got over the course of his life. Yeah. So when Voldemort was resurrected, he took Harry's blood out and put it into his own body. And Dumbledore was so fucking happy about this because he's like, secretly, this is what I wanted all along. Because what he did when he did that was he took Lily's blood protection and brought it into his own body. Which meant that mm-hmm. Harry could not be Harry could not die as long as Voldemort's body was still intact because Lily's blood protection existed inside of Voldemort. Right, so when right, Voldemort right, right. blasted Harry with the killing curse, it was exactly the same as when he did it as a baby. The killing curse just yeah. bounced away. It just didn't work because it couldn't yeah. touch Harry because that love protection was still in place. I like to think of it as the soul split. Like so Harry was knocked back by the killing curse, not dead. He's still very much alive. Mm. <laughs> and then that part of Harry's soul that was the Voldemort part that has been destroyed because of this happening, because of Voldemort attacking Harry, did go to some sort of limbo or some sort of like place mm. and had that discussion. And that, and then like we just flash back to Harry like being on the floor of the forest, and he's like, "I was never dead, but I guess I felt like mm. I died." Yeah. yeah, So do you think that Limbo is a literal place that he literally went? It's like somewhere else. A spiritual place, not a physical place. I think so. I mean, I I really love the idea that it's all in his head and he was just sort of talking it through. Mm -hmm. Because I think it could go either way. I really think both interpretations are valid. I like to subscribe to, yes, there was a Limbo Mm -hmm. and he went there. But I also really love that it's all in his head one. Like, I think that's, that they both work. Yeah, really I think well. All in His Head is so valid, but I prefer the interpretation that he went to, like, a spiritual place, which is limbo, yeah. that does exist, and you can go there. Because yeah. I think that makes sense in terms of the creation of ghosts. I think when... We've mm-hmm. talked about this as well. I think when wizards die, they go to limbo, and they make the choice to go on or go back. And ghosts choose to go mm-hmm. back. And Harry chose to go back yeah. as well, but because of the love, protection, blah, blah, blah... His soul wasn't, his body wasn't destroyed. He was able to return to life, basically. You could even see it as the part of Harry's soul that was Voldemort or corrupted by the Horcrux did. Yeah, that's, that's how I interpret it. It it went, it went to limbo and it had that discussion with like itself, basically Mm. Dumbledore, whatever you want to say. And it's like, all right, so my body back on earth has like 
all of Harry's soul there intact, unspoiled by the mm-hmm. Horcrux. And it can just wake up. It's not dead. And mm-hmm. cool. It's going to do that. But me, the part of Harry's soul that was corrupted by Voldemort and is a bit of Tom Riddle, it's just going to catch this yeah. train and get fucked. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what it did. It yeah. moved on. Because I think that's what happens when the Horcruxes are destroyed. The part of the soul that was used to make that Horcrux mm-hmm. moves on. Um, finally. Yeah. Yeah, so that, like, that's kind of cool, because that means that, like, the in bits and pieces, Voldemort's soul did actually move on. Mm, hmm. One thing at a time. Except for the one that was still left inside of him. Yeah. Well that piece i guess moves on when he dies no no it's stuck in limbo because it's so corrupted mm, that's it right do anything. oh fair enough can't leave yeah so it, and it's only like the it's like soup right <laughs> you keep saying <laughs> so this i disagree there's... that souls are like soup <laughs> <laughs> so it's only the parts that have the bit of bertha jorkins and the bit of harry potter and the bit of the other people money Mon- myrtle who, mm. who knows that he used to make a horcrux that can move on. I think the part that is inside of him and is Tom Riddle can never move on because it was so corrupted from the choices that he made throughout life. So it's stuck in limbo. Yeah, I think that limbo is an actual place because I like I like to interpret it that Harry's soul and the piece of Voldemort's soul both went there. Harry's soul came back, Voldemort's soul didn't. That's how Harry okay. stopped being a horcrux. That bit of his soul basically died because it moved on to limbo and maybe beyond from there, or maybe it was trapped in limbo forever. Okay. <laughs> so we both agree that the horrible baby in limbo is the piece of Voldemort's soul inside of Harry? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because some people interpret that as Voldemort. Like when that killing curse rebounded inside of the forest, basically Harry and Voldemort both died and went to limbo and that's why Voldemort falls down and has collapsed as well. No, no, that's definitely Harry. Harry okay, the cool. part of Voldemort's soul that was in Harry. Yeah. Mm. I think Voldemort just fell back because he's like, oh, this feels familiar. <laughs> <laughs> this feels exactly like it did fucking yeah, 17 the, years ago. I think the spell just backfired and he just fell over like a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, why does this keep happening? <laughs> Whenever I kill this fucking boy, <laughs> I just get blasted to the next dimension. <laughs> Also, just like as a little moment, I really love that it's King's Cross Station that he goes to. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so cute. I love that it rounds out his journey beginning when he goes to Hogwarts. Uh, yeah. It's the choice that he could maybe go home. Hogwarts is his only home. I just love the metaphors there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we love a liminal space. Liminal space, yes. That's yeah, where he meets yeah. Dumbledore. Dumbledore doesn't see the train station because to him, King's Cross was never like the portal towards home. No. Yeah. We'll probably see something else, but well, it's a version of Dumbledore. Anyway. Yeah. If yeah. Dumbledore was really there, he would see something else. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay. What are we talking about? Oh, the veil. the veil. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what I've got about the veil. It seems to be a manifestation of the barrier between the land of the living and the land of the dead. That implies mm-hmm. to me that the land of the dead, the afterlife, is a literal place. Yes. Like a spiritual place that you can travel to, or maybe even a physical place. Yeah. Like a realm, basically, another dimension. Yeah. That, that to me, is possibly the strongest piece of evidence we have for an afterlife. Mm-hmm. And the voices mm-hmm. coming from the other side of the veil. Because Harry, Luna, Harry and Luna both definitely hear voices. I think Neville and Ginny are drawn towards the veil, but they don't hear the voices. Or maybe mm-hmm. they don't hear their words. Mm-hmm. But what's yeah. interesting to me is that Hermione doesn't hear the voices at all. 
Yeah, she's a skeptic. She doesn't believe in afterlife, I would assume. Exactly. So maybe there is no afterlife and there is no voices. It's just... What you believe. What you believe. Because if Hermione doesn't believe that they exist, then she wouldn't hear anything. But It would be a festival thing, though. Yeah, because if they do really exist, then Hermione should hear them irrespective of what she believes, surely. No. No? <laughs> it could be, it could be, I mean, we've argued before that it's subjective, right? Like, time is an emotion, I feel it. <laughs> like, I think that some of these brooms, like, because time travel works because it's the subjective experience of time. That's how time magic works. Right, I think yes. it's the subjective experience of death. People like Luna wow. and Harry, Neville and Ginny have all felt closer to death and mourning than Ron and Hermione have. Mm. And so they have more sensitivity to experiencing that room and seeing that veil, hearing those voices. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hermione just sees an empty archway. That probably changes in future years. Mm. She'll probably come back to that room and see see the veil, hear the voices. So do you think the veil... Do you think it actually leads to the afterlife? Or do you think it's just an arch that kills you when you step through it? Yes. <laughs> yes, is the answer to that question. Yes. yes. Because when Sirius falls through it, his body... Dis- what happens to his body? It just it disappears, right? It just disappears. Because Harry waits for him to fall through the other side, but he doesn't. Yeah. It's like he falls out of our reality, basically. That's fucked. Because, like... Yeah, that's so far. I hate that. If he died, his body... Where does his body go? Yeah, his body would just... If he was, like, dying like a normal person, like any other person's died throughout the series, he'd step into the veil, his soul would leave his body and depart to the afterlife, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to say, and his body would flunk onto the ground on the other side. Yeah, that's how it should work. Or his body would thunk to the ground to the other side mm-hmm. and his soul would return as a ghost. But that's not what happened. He full-on just disappear (laughs) yeah this is what makes me think that it doesn't lead to the afterlife it leads to like another dimension it leads to somewhere else because yeah (laughs) because his body physically goes somewhere (laughs) i'm thinking about that interaction not that interaction that scene where harry watches Sirius, and he literally he watches him fall and he waits for him to come through on the other side and he just doesn't it would be very yeah. different if Sirius fell backwards through and he was alive when he fell back and by the time he hit the ground on the other side, he was dead. He was That dead. would be very different. Yeah. Because that's just a that's just yeah. an archway that kills you when you walk through it. It's like a guillotine of archways. I mean, may, maybe there's another arch somewhere and Sirius's body fell out of that. We mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, that's weird. I. It does make, make you think it's not leading to the afterlife then. Mm. It definitely kills you when you go through. Yeah, because but... I think if the archway... Not the archway. I think if the afterlife do- does exist, I don't think it's a physical place. I think it's a spiritual place or an astral place or something like that. Okay. Well, we know the definition of death. Give me a sec. All right. The departure... The end of a body's life due to illness or injury and the departure of the soul that occupied it. So, like, Sirius wasn't... I mean, he was murdered because he was hit with the was he hit with the Vatikadabra. Yeah, he was. No, he was just hit with some sort of spell and he stumbled backwards. Right, so he was hit with some sort of spell. It he could have been a Vatikadabra, but I think if Harry had seen the green flash, he would have known Sirius was dead. Yeah. He didn't know he was dead until he didn't come out of the arch. In the movie, they may probably made it a Vatikadabra because they wanted to make it clear Sirius is dead. Yeah, but okay, so he was hit with some sort of spell. It didn't kill him, so he wasn't killed. He no, wasn't... It just pushed him backwards. Yeah, it just pushed him back and he fell into the veil. 
and the veil killed him. Where did his body go? Was it a creature? Was he consumed? Like, <laughs> um, oh, oh, the archway is a mouth. Uh, oh, don't like that. Because, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, I don't know. That's thrown me. Mm. Yeah. This is why I said we can spend a whole episode on this. What is the veil? <laughs> and, like, we're not the first one to ask this. People have been asking this ever since JK wrote it. Yeah. What is this thing? Where does it go? Why is it like this? Why is, how is it there? That's that's another one. How is it there? Where did it come from? I think did the, someone make it or did they find it? I think the ministry built around it. Like, this wasn't transported to the ministry. It was built around this. Yeah. Thing. Um, Which, okay, that kind of explains why the Ministry of Magic is in London, yeah. but doesn't explain why London is on top of the <laughs> Death Arch. And also, why is it there? Why is it deep beneath the ground on this one place on Earth? Mm. Why isn't it in the middle of a mountain or under a desert or in the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, look, okay, here's what I'm going to subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a portal, but it kills you when you go through it. So he mm-hmm. went through this portal, he died when he went through it. And the, there's another archway there's another gate somewhere else that Sirius's body fell out of mm. but we just didn't see where it ha- it could have been the bottom of the ocean it could have been fucking the Sahara Desert we don't know that's what I'm subscribing to yeah I have seen interpretations of this where like you travel backwards in time or you travel to another dimension when you go through the arch right. there's really cool fanfic that plays with that idea so like the weeping angels how they sort of consume all your potential energy in time yeah right very much like that so it is death yeah there's but there's a very fun fanfic where basically Harry at the end of his life is like, okay, I'm ready to die now. And he goes through the veil and then he wakes up on his 11th birthday. Oh no. And relives his entire life again. And it's a very fun fanfic because it's kind of just like, what if Harry didn't give a fuck (laughs) and was very good at magic and just relived his entire life being like, whatever, I'm going to fucking defeat Voldemort at age 13. I don't give a shit. Wow. (laughs) But I don't think that literally happens. No, yeah. But that's crazy. Um, it could transport you to a different dimension. That is I think that's what it one. is. I think, yeah. I think, first of all, I don't think they found the arch and built around it. I think they made the Department of Mysteries and they're like, okay, let's split up these rooms into different branches of magic. This will be the death one. And then while they were in there doing magical experiments to try and figure out death, they made this archway that they think leads to the afterlife but it actually leads somewhere else. Maybe another okay. dimension, another reality. I don't think through time, because then it would be in the time room. <laughs> right, so it's a dimensional... It's a dimensional dimension. gateway of some kind, and... But then I, why does Harry, Luna, why do they hear voices and stuff? Yeah, well, maybe they're hearing something on the other side. But then why not the others? I don't know. <laughs> See, I just think it has something to do with death of the afterlife because of those particular people being lured towards it and called towards it. Yeah, it is interesting that Harry and Luna, the most in tune with death, are the ones who hear mm. the most. And also, apparently, when you try to communicate with the voices on the other side, the dead try harder and their whispering and murmuring becomes louder. It's, it's, it screams death to me because I think that the Grim Reaper is a thing. It does scream death and not so much like, I don't know, aliens or, or another dimension or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, hmm. I, I'm willing to believe, okay, so I believe that the Grim Reaper is a thing or, or death, death. Yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah. So tell the three brothers, they're walking along the road and they encounter death. Yeah. Because death is a real personification in this universe. I don't buy that. If death has a physical or metaphysical space that people dwell in in afterlife, 
and people who are die take on a different form or I don't know their soul takes on a different form why not mm. why isn't the Grim Reaper or a personification of death acceptable because it could explain this arch so people die yeah. people die all the time they die in their beds they die in their houses they die in their workplaces etc etc mm-hmm. but maybe this particular special arch <laughs> <laughs> was made by death himself as like I guess for more arrogant people who are like thinking that they could outsmart death or something like that and they're like oh you know I, I bet that I could die and come back to life or I could journey to the afterlife and come back to tell the tale and he's like fine try it <laughs> and he built a doorway and was like see you can walk through this door and visit the afterlife and come back and he fucking lied mm. <laughs> and people started walking through their bodies were just gone and they just fucking died <laughs> I think this is like a doorway to a true and final death I guess you could say Okay, it's death's door <laughs> yeah what I don't like about your interpretation of death in Harry Potter, and there's several things I don't like about it, but what I mostly don't like is that it implies a level of malevolence <laughs> to death that I don't like. I think if death, if death is like, if death, the guy, capital D death, I'm going to start calling him the Grim Reaper. If the Grim Reaper exists and he is a personification of death or a being, a creature of death, it kind of sucks that he tricks you into dying. I think that's rude and mean and he shouldn't do that. I think he only does it to people who had it coming. Yeah, but... He tried to trick him. (laughs) Exactly. Your interpretation of death as the guy who made the wand, the cloak, the stone and, like, set Mm. two of them up as traps sucks and is... Because he's a bully then. (laughs) He's picking on people who are mortal, unlike him. I mean, don't try and outsmart death. (laughs) Don't think you're more powerful than death. It's as simple as that. No, that... it, to me, it implies a level of malevolence that I don't like. I think when there is a manifestation of death in a story, I think it's best if that person is just basically... Like, because death just happens. It just happens to everyone, and sometimes it's accidental, and sometimes it's not meaningful, and sometimes it is. And if death exists as a person, it should just be a person who's like, hey, you know, your time's up. It's time to go somewhere else. I'm the person who basically holds your hand and walks you to the next place, wherever it is. Yeah, sure. I love loads of things like that. And I'm not saying that my death is malevolent. I think he is, though. <laughs> like, no. So here's what happened. <laughs> I don't think death should kill people. I think people should die on their own. He didn't kill them. If death kills people, then he's a cunt. It was their time. They were, they weren't, they were meant to die in that river. <laughs> they, were, they were meant to die in that river. So death is there. He's like, all right, yeah. He's checking his watch. Like, okay, time to pick up these souls. And then they fucking avoided that. And he's like, oh, wizards. And then... So he encounters them, and they're like, oh, yeah. fuck you, Death. Like, we're stronger than you, we're more powerful than you. And he's like, all right. And so he, like, says that he'll offer them gifts, and, like, he does. And then the only one who's smart enough or humble enough to think about, like, well, Death wants people to, like, Death wants people to guide to the afterlife. That's his whole thing. That's his whole purpose in life, is Death. Like, mm. the only one who's smart enough to think that and ask for something that could delay his death is the third brother. The other two had it coming. They, <laughs> they like, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's on you. Yeah. I just, it comes back to me that death kills people because he gives them, he gives him a wand that tricks him into basically getting killed. And he gives the other brother a stone that tricks him into killing himself. And then, but like, he, death, you know, that. sees that they've died and he's happy they for asked it. for that. 
I know they asked for it. That's because mortal living people are stupid and make bad choices. Yeah. Well, not all of them. The third guy did it. <laughs> the third guy did it great. <laughs> the other two should have made better choices. Yeah. Uh, look, it's just it's just coming down to I disagree. I think that when there is a physical manifestation of death as a person, that guy shouldn't kill people. People should die on their own. And if he's killing people, then he's a cunt. Yeah, he's not. And for me, I just disagree that he that you think that I think he's killing people. He's not. Okay, <laughs> they're killing themselves. <laughs> Let me finish my thought because you've interrupted me twice now. <laughs> okay. We've reached the part of the episode where we get genuinely mad at each other. (laughs) For me, it's the difference between death as in, like, final destination death, where if you trick him or escape him, then he just makes your life a living hell by trying to kill you over and over again until he eventually succeeds. Because there is no escaping death. You can't get away from him. And death, like, in Sandman or Terry Pratchett Discworld novels, where, like, death is just a person that's just there... And, like, doesn't have any sort of bad or ill intent towards you. And doesn't do anything to you. Just waits for you to come to it, basically. Yeah. Well, in... I, like... I agree with that version. I think that that version is in the Harry Potter universe. I don't think so. Because if he's, like, giving people stones... We're doing the same argument again. Let's talk about the archway. (laughs) You're saying that people tried to experiment with death or figure out what death is and then he made an archway that's like come and get it then if you think you're so good come in here that's a jokey that's a jokey joke it could be one explanation another explanation is this is literally just the door to his house and it's just there and don't touch it (laughs) like don't go through it you dumbass (laughs) like yeah you shouldn't go in there that's not for you (laughs) it's not for you okay look (laughs) Fine. The other thing that I don't like about your interpretation of death is in the Harry Potter universe, we don't see any evidence of gods or divine beings outside of what you would expect Mm -hmm. from a regular society where like they have a concept of heaven and hell, I guess, just because that's part of being human. But we don't see like that there is any sort of divine beings is the only way that I can think of to describe it. Like the death that you're saying, this manifestation of death it would be the only thing like that in the universe that we know of. It's not like there's a Zeus roaming around. <laughs> they don't need that. <laughs> I know. But, like, why is death the exception? Why isn't there some sort of physical manifestation of love, then? Or time? There, there are. <laughs> okay, so you think, like, like, love is a person that you can meet on the bridge across the river one day? <laughs> and get, like, love's cool rock or whatever? <laughs> No, I mean, like, there could be, but what's the one thing that unites us all? We all die. But why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, usually when death exists, it's part of a pantheon. Where's the rest of the pantheon, is what I'm saying. Why is death the only thing that's like this, and everything else that's different is magic? It's not the case. Death is not... Death is not usually part of a pantheon. No, pan not really. He's usually just kicking it by himself. That's only modern graphic novels and shit. No, <laughs> usually when there's a god of death, there's gods of many things. There's gods of war and blah, blah, blah. He's not a god of death. He is death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how's this for size? Get the Grim Reaper. Get the cultural connotations of the Grim Reaper out of your mm-hmm. head. Okay. Done. It's They're just gone. death magic. 
It's just death magic, man. But why is it's death just... magic a person and love magic isn't okay. a person? Fine, it's not a fucking person. Okay, like, you don't need... then we agree. Just... <laughs> okay, you, could, you don't need to personify. It's just easier to talk about it that way. But like, it's just death magic as a force. Don't fuck with it oh. because you're going to die. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Death magic is a force I'm so on board with and I agree with. As soon as it has a voice and is a person and is talking, I'm like, I hate this. Fine. <laughs> it's the same concept. <laughs> I think they're radically different concepts. <laughs> Death as a force for me is like gravity. Gravity is not like a person. Yeah, I'm But you sure. can piss off. I mean, <laughs> but like... Yeah, death is a is a type of magic in this room, and yeah, don't fuck with death. Don't try and cheat it because you're just gonna die. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, the the plight for the journey for immortality is po- pointless and stupid, and you're gonna die doing it. You're gonna die younger than you would have if you just lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the point of the series. <laughs> We've done that. Yeah. Okay, those are all my thoughts about the afterlife. Hmm. Let's talk about a couple more things. One of them is the boy who lived forever. Are you familiar with the theory that Harry is immortal now? Familiar with it, don't agree. Okay, good. I am probably in the same boat, but let's talk about it because it's one of like the big theories in Harry Potter. Sure. There are several potential reasons why Harry might be immortal now. Uh, let's go through them quickly. The prophecy, particularly the line... Either must die at the hands of the other. A lot of people interpret that as like, Harry had to die at Voldemort's hand. Otherwise he can never die at all. Okay. But even if that's true, Harry has to die at Voldemort's hand. Like he will. It's in fate. It's written. Mm. Well, sorry. Either Voldemort has to die at Harry's hand or Harry has to die at Voldemort's hand. And that's the only way that either of them can die. So whoever dies, dies, and whoever lives, lives forever, basically, is the interpretation. But they both kill each other, so it, it it's done. They both did it. Mm. Like, Voldemort killed Harry, and then Harry killed Voldemort. Yeah. The end. Now they can both die normally, I guess, if you want to use that term. I just think it's stupid because it ignores the second part of the line. Exactly. Because it's either must die at the hands of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. It's talking about how they're bound together so they can't truly live. Because, like, Harry can't live his own life because he's got Voldemort's soul in him, and Mm. Voldemort can't live his life because he's bound himself to Harry. So neither of them can be free of the other, basically. Yes. This whole either must die at the hands of the other, it's like, no. It's just talking about what needs to happen to free them of their bond, not, like, who's going to be immortal, basically. So I think that's stupid. The idea of Lily's love blood, the idea that Harry was basically tethered to life because of his connection to Voldemort. I don't understand how that leads to him being immortal because Voldemort's gone now, but some people insist that that makes him immortal. If that makes him immortal, then wouldn't wouldn't everyone who was at the Battle of Hogwarts who was protected by Harry still be immortal then as well? Because they were all protected by a love spell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, read a book. <laughs> yeah, I just like, I think that that's how Harry survived the killing curse. We've already talked about this because he couldn't yeah. die while Voldemort was still alive. But then mm-hmm. also, why can't, no, because Voldemort can die because he's not protected by Lily's love magic. That's why. Yeah, yeah. And like once Voldemort's dead, then there's no more Lily's love magic li- living outside of Harry's body. It's all contained in his body. So once he dies, yeah. the it's gone. Yeah, and 
I think Lily was protecting him from Voldemort in that moment, so... Yeah, not from, like, getting hit by a car or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Harry could die in any other way, and I think anyone could cast a killing curse at Harry and it might succeed, because no one's jumping... Lily didn't jump in the way of Harry to protect him from anyone, it was yeah. from Voldemort. Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, she chose to die at Voldemort's hand to protect... Yeah. Yeah, it was exactly. all... Harry and Voldemort, they're all tied together. It's all tied up <laughs> in each other. Harry's not just generically immortal. <laughs> yeah. The very popular theory that Harry accidentally created a Horcrux when he killed the Basilisk because he made Forks into his Horcrux and that makes him immortal because <laughs> Forks can never be destroyed. Bullshit. I don't think that he can accidentally make a Horcrux, bestie. Well, um, he can because that's how Harry became a Horcrux. Oh, okay. No. I mean, we discussed how Horcruxes are made. I think Voldemort was had the preparations in place to make a Horcrux that night, but yeah. he got blasted to the sixth dimension when he got killed. And so he had the preparations mm-hmm. there, a death happened, and that's how Horcrux was made accidentally. Harry... Yeah, this yeah. theory ignores the more complicated process and the steps of making your Horcrux. Yeah. It doesn't just happen every time you kill someone. Yeah, no. Yeah. Also, does killing the Basilisk count as killing a person? I would argue no. Absolutely not. No. A Basilisk is defined as a dark yeah. creature, so therefore it might not be considered on the magical chain of being, as a bad thing yeah. to kill a basilisk. <laughs> Whereas the reason why horcruxes are a thing is because it's a bad thing mm-hmm. to kill a human. While I personally so. might argue that a basilisk is a person because it passes the Harkness test. Yes. In in the context of Harry Potter, no, it's not a person. It's a monster. It's not like a... Yeah, and it should yeah. be killed in the context of the It's of the evil. <laughs> its existence <laughs> is evil. And it's a good thing for it to die. <laughs> So I don't think that... My toxic trait is that if I was in the Harry Potter series, I would be like... <laughs> basilisk rights. I would be trying to protect... Yeah, basilisk rights. It'd be, like... <laughs> It'd be ridiculous. I would be like... <laughs> House elves have enough people trying to defend them because they've got one person. <laughs> it's time for me to protect basilisks. Yeah, yeah, it's time. <laughs> uh, and final reason why Harry might be immortal is because he refused the offer to board the train and basically chose to become immortal. No. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's not... So, no. Because it's if that's, contrary. If that's, logic, <laughs> it's con- that's not what happened. Read a book. And if that is if that is how the afterlife works, then who's getting on that train, bestie? The amount of people who want to be immortal in the fucking Harry Potter universe, mm. they'd all just be like, all right, Heartstoppers, well, let's, let's fucking theoretically, die. Well, theoretically, that's how ghosts <laughs> become immortal, because they choose oh, that's not, not to get on the train. It's just their bodies are destroyed. Harry's body wasn't destroyed. No, that's hell. Look, while Harry is immortal, the theories are fun to play with. And like, hey, give me the fanfic. It's interesting. Mm. Thematically, it makes no sense for the books. <laughs> the point of the books are it's good to die. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Except if, your death. Imagine if that had been taken on by the creators of the world. <laughs> what, like, what a grim ending for the series. <laughs> yeah. Harry's like doomed to immortality now. Vold- Harry accidentally achieved the thing that Voldemort was trying to do. Hooray! What a terrible ending. It's so bad. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. Okay. More thoughts on death? Um, what have I got here? Oh, yeah. Why is killing someone the most evil act, but there are also things worse than death? Killing someone yes. metaphysically wounds you, and doing it enough corrupts you completely so that you can't mm-hmm. move on. Yet death is not the worst thing to suffer, and believing death is the worst fate to suffer is in fact a path to villainy and evil. So, mm. 
Let's discuss. That is a very, very interesting contradiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because if there are worse things in life than dying, and it's possible to do something to another person that is worse than killing them, mm-hmm. then it should be possible to tear your soul through means other than killing. Mm-hmm. If I, like, you know, let's not get too grim here, but if I, like, take a person and just torture them ceaselessly for years and years and years until their life is worse than death, Mm -hmm. then surely I've done something worse than killing them. Yeah, I would say so. And so that would warrant that you've torn up your soul and destroyed yourself. But Mm. in the rules of the universe, if you die, you're not corrupted. You can move on. Batman rules, I didn't kill them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Therefore, I'm still a good person. Or like, if not... If not a good person, not so terrible of a person that I tore my soul. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That doesn't quite line up, does it? <laughs> yeah. It's really giving thou, thou shalt not kill the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, what about all the others, bestie? <laughs> um, why aren't they terrible as well? <laughs> yeah. Just the only way to fix that is just to be like, there's multiple ways to tear your soul. Are we yeah. ever told explicitly that the only way to tear your soul is to kill? No. We say we know that killing splits the soul. Yeah. But we don't know about if mm. you do other fucked up shit, does that also split your soul? Yeah, because we also know that killing doesn't have to split the soul. Because Snape's like, well, I don't want to tear my soul by killing you. And Dumbledore's like, mm. that's on you, man. You decide if putting a dying old man out of his misery is going to tear your soul. If you think that it's an act of mercy then it won't hurt you. Sure. And Dumbledore also believes it's an act of mercy. So I yeah, think it's, it's got to be both well. on both sides. I can't be like, it's so merciful for me to drown this puppy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to save it from the horrors of the world. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So, okay. So if there's nothing... Okay. Yes. If there's not something inherent in the act of killing that tears the soul, it's the act of doing something evil... And I would say irreparably evil to another person. Because what makes killing so Mm -hmm. bad is the permanence of death. If I kill someone, Mm -hmm. I can't bring them back. There's no way to fix what I did. Mm -hmm. Therefore, something that is equally evil, but there's just no way to fix it. It's created this awful void of like pain and suffering. That would also tear my soul. Maybe, but I think it's could just be the opposite there's nothing as evil as death perhaps in the series of this in the perspective of the series because yeah death is the only thing that is final and permanent yeah the books posit that they're De- yeah. death is the only thing that can't be reversed you can't bring something back from the dead but you could torture the fuck out of someone i suppose completely ruin their mm. mind and life and body but maybe they could be cured maybe time would heal all wounds mm. but the series like, shows us Maybe justice could series be served. shows us there are some wounds that can't be healed by time. Neville's parents. Yeah, Neville's parents are an example, but I mean, this, this is <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't know if they're going to be like that for their whole lives. It seems that they've improved a little. I mean, according to mm. Neville, they still give him. They they recognize that they're that he's, yeah. a, he's their son. And some fans like, like to imagine that like Neville becomes this great herbologist and finds a cure for them and stuff. And that's great if that brings you peace and comfort. Yeah, we enjoy it. I personally think that they never yeah. recover, and I think that the series as yeah. well says that they will never recover. Yeah, but it's not permanent, is it? <laughs> I think that it is. If it's impossible for them to recover, then it's permanent. But like that's 
we, we don't, the series doesn't say that it's impossible for them to cover. I thought it did. It doesn't. The only circumstance in which there's no take backsies <laughs> is death, <laughs> is killing someone. Mm. That's the whole reason why I think it's the, the one thing that's the most evil. I guess it's just a contradiction then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hmm. I think we can also make the argument that this is a children's series. Like, yeah. killing people is um, used in lots of sorts of media and it's something that people interact with a lot. Um, like, people die all the time. So it's mm. more, I guess, approachable to put that as a bad thing that evil guys do in a children's series rather than extreme forms of torture and fucked up behavior. Yeah. That is you can't put that in a children's series. Yeah. Whereas murder is something that is, for lack of a better term, normalized. Yeah, no, you're right. Media. Like it's, it's, we are, we, we are can, desensitized yeah. to death and murder in a way that we're not desensitized to graphic depictions of say, sexual or domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we can have children read a, a series where a character is killed and they're able to include that. And cause children mm-hmm. are able to process that. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why that it's it's so terrible because worse things don't exist because they can't. Mm. Or if they do, it's only off screen. Yeah. Like how we've theorized that, you know, really terrible things happened to Bertha Jorkins, which was part of how Voldemort got resurrected. Mm. But like it's never stated on the page. Same with Ariana Dumbledore. A lot of people have theories about her. Yeah. So. Or like what happened to Umbridge after the centaurs took her into the forest. Yeah. Like we all know what happened to her, but it's never stated on the page and therefore it does not exist in the world. Yeah. But like straight up, we know what happened. We know what went down in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I have on uh, death and afterlife mm. and all that sort of stuff. I had a couple of thoughts about just how death is viewed in magical society. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's so interesting to me that Nicholas Flamel is able to just exist, <laughs> that he just lives for 666 years and people allow that. It feels like he should be burned as a witch <laughs> by the other witches and wizards. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not by muggles. Cause obviously that's fine. I think it's normalized because I think there are plenty of ways that you can magically extend your life, but most people just don't bother with that or don't want to do that. Well, what I'm wondering is, like, why doesn't he have to live in hiding? Because imagine if you found out that, like, Mm. I don't know, some famous scientist, let's say, not just, like, John from down the street. Who's a good scientist? Can't think of anybody off the top of my head. No, don't know anyone. Yeah, I don't know any good scientists. Sorry. Um, let's just say Einstein. Let's say Einstein had figured out how to be immortal, basically. Just by his sure. good science brain, he did it. Would we just literally tear him to pieces in the street? <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's an abomination that can't exist. Like, wouldn't we try and take his secret from him? I mean, I'd want to kill him. Because no one should have that kind of power. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm... maybe there's just something wrong with me, but if I hear that Einstein's become immortal, like, I want to kill him. Like, I'm... <laughs> I miss it, like, yeah, bet. Let's, let's see. Let's see how immortal he is. <laughs> it just triggers something feral in my brain. Like, that can't be allowed yeah. to exist. I'm sorry. <laughs> my eight brains, like, kill it. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. So, like, 
just the idea that I could be a wizard and be like, oh yeah, Nicholas Flamel, you know, the immortal guy with the stone that makes infinite wealth. I'm like, oh no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I, we can't just allow that to happen in society. We've got to go deal yeah. with this. Um, I mean, you know, human society is very different to wizarding society. I think you have, you have a definite point. I definitely don't think that Nicholas had a peaceful life. Yeah. I think that he had to become very powerful and influential in order to ward off people that were just going to try and attack him or steal from him. Yeah, and stealing and from him. he could easily do that because he has infinite money and time. Yeah. <laughs> stealing from him is the other thing. Like, we're talking about just literally tearing him apart with our hands, but also, like, take his stone and become immortal ourselves. Like, surely that's what so many people would try and do. The easiest path to immortality is not to discover it on my own. It's to steal it from that guy who did it already. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, he could have been in hiding for most of his life and only sort of come out as, yeah, I've been around for 500 years in the um, 20th century. It's very possible. That's very possible, yeah. Just lived in secret, like changing his personality, not his personality, yeah. changing his identity every, I don't know, century or whatever. Maybe came out when it was more, when it was a more sensible society. I mean, I don't mm. know how fucking sensible the Wizarding Society is, but... Yeah. Or just when he'd amassed enough money and power that nobody could touch him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's probably what I'd do. There was something else that came from this discussion. Oh, yeah. How wizards view death. Mm. So I've already brought up that wizards know that there is an afterlife, but they don't know what it is. And so that's why they can still fear death. And that's why people still want to be immortal, yes. because they're idiots. I think this is also the existence of ghosts and stuff like that and the existence of knowing that there's an afterlife but not knowing what it is is why Harry is known as the boy who lived and is so popularized and everyone loves him because he survived death because to them Mm -hmm. survive like coming back from death you're a ghost and like that's a pretty pitiful existence like no one wants to be a ghost but this young baby boy who had this tragic event happen to him where his entire family was taken from him and it's such a traumatic event. This young baby boy able to survive that and not come back and be cursed as to live a ghost half-life, some might say. Mm. That's a miracle. <laughs> and also maybe the idea that he has some memory of what an afterlife is like. Mm. Like, <laughs> like maybe he has some secret knowledge and power. And of course that bleeds into like, you know, he must be magically powerful and gifted to have survived such an attack. Yeah. So that's why he's known as the boy who lived. I think it's got more weight to it. Than we see at first glance. Yeah, it's so meaningful that Harry's, like, thing that he's known for is surviving. He's the boy who lived. He's not the boy who defeated Voldemort. Or, like, Mm. the boy who was victorious. Or, like, something like that. He is that. And he did defeat Voldemort. And people are very happy about that. But the thing that they find him remarkable for doing is living. Surviving. Mm -hmm. That's so fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And then the majority of the time that we see him in the series, he's not living. He's surviving. Mm. He's like trying to fucking fight to have a normal life. And then I guess after that, he's able to be the boy who actually lived his life and like yes. lived like we are told we're meant to live in the Tale of the Three Brothers, where it's like you just live. Just you have don't try and beat death. Yeah. yeah. We don't get to see it though. <clears throat> yeah. Harry is constantly fighting for survival. And then mm. once he defeats that great enemy, the last enemy that shall be defeated is not death, it's Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> once he destroys Voldemort, it's like, well, now he's he's free to just live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything else to say about 
wizards and death. Look, I had some notes on like death as a theme in the series, but I feel like we've explored that not just in this episode, but throughout our entire podcast. We've talked about death as a theme in the series. There's probably not much I can really add here. Gosh, well, I have been Jem and Harry Potter taught me that um, when something dies, it can be permanent and good and that it's, it's good that it's dead and that we shouldn't try and resurrect it and we shouldn't try and like cheat death and like make something immortal make something live forever but then fantastic beast happened and (laughs) jk rowling just kept going and just kept beating that dead horse and trying to make her series immortal and look it's just corrupted it and now it's stuck in limbo and it's never going to move on and it's never going to come back (laughs) great point (laughs) well said (laughs) i've been rhea And Harry Potter taught me that it is the unknown that we fear when we look upon death and darkness, nothing more. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.